0: FM Podcast, this is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Last Rights of a Nation. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher. Soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Tuesday, December 12th in the year 2023. We are really in quite a time right now when we're literally at the end of a nation. There's no question about it when we look at the whole spectrum of what's happened and what our politicians have come to represent because they don't represent the people. They represent protecting the government so that it can continue to pursue the people and exploit the people at any cost. The sellout that we have of our government and institutions is beyond the pale. And their willingness to take bribes, to receive sex in exchange for favors to live the life of pedophiles and sexual deviants, and to do so in in our face, the idea that they are themselves, most of them Satanists, and they do nothing about it, and that they want to see this country completely upended is sickening, and it deserves a response by the people that is so massive that it will never be forgotten in the history of man, because there's that much at stake, and there's that much being stolen from us in a country that was designed to be a country, a model country under God for this entire nation and world to witness. So it's time that Americans start to realize the magnitude of what we're dealing with. And we are dealing with a lot. We are dealing with a betrayal of betrayals. And that includes every single agency. It includes every single congressman, every single senator. It includes the entire White House. And quite frankly, it includes almost every elite in this country. And I I don't limit that to anybody. I don't limit that. Because they love to play games, they all want to have power, and none of them really seek to have the, the will of the people returned. Trump came in strong, and we thought he was strong, but when we look at the people that he put around him, I have to question his the, this, the wisdom of his leadership. He put people around him that were openly deep staters, they were entrenched people of power, that understood very much how to screw the people and not how to work the will of the people as Trump's vision wanted. So you have to start asking the question, the hard questions that we need to ask. Who in leadership do we have that can step in and truly change and transform the system? And the answer, quite frankly, is no one on the docket right now, including RFK Jr. I'm not telling you that RFK Jr. doesn't have some good thoughts and good intentions, but he's again, he's surrounded by people of questionable character because there are people that are willing to compromise the principal values of a country that was built on Christian ethics. You're willing to support transgenderism. You're willing to support the mutilation of kids. You're willing to support abortion. You're willing to support all of these things. Trump flashed out of the public when after the abortion issue, after the Supreme Court overturned it, because patriots took it to the polls and held a hard line and lost elections, President Trump turned around like a viper and told us that, that the abortion was too extreme. Every one of these politicians ends up in the same cesspool every single time. And the real question is how are we gonna get back to where we need to be? And that's where we have to begin by looking at how bad the situation really is. And it's bad. And Patriots, before we begin, I wanna point out that right now, one of the ways that they are trying to control every single person is to change this economy and put everybody onto a digital currency. That digital currency is designed specifically to force you into working on their systems so that every single transaction you do is tracked and monitored and through the function of what they call a CBDC they want to be able to control, monitor and even limit your purchases. That's the principle of this next step because they know and they fear more than anything that every single person is going there are too many people I should say that are going to defy their rules. That is the World Economic Forum, this is the one world order concept. They are afraid people are not going to obey, they're going to they're going to defy. And so every one of those people has to become a criminal. But that's a lot of people, so it's easier to force people into a system where you have no control over your currency. Now, specifically, because this is where our response to Birch Gold comes in every single time, you need to take a look at your retirement accounts and how you're holding your, holding your resources at home. Gold and silver are solid currencies that can be used in exchange and have been used infinitely, and gold and silver or precious metals backed IRAs and retirement accounts preserve your money as they try to shift everything over to the digital system. So text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. From that, you'll receive an information packet. Read through it. You'll find a number in there Call Birch Gold. Talk to them about your the opportunities and financial opportunities that they have. This includes taking an existing IRA or 401k and converting it to a precious metals retirement account, which will be at no cost to you. And in addition to that, you can take the same group and talk to them about gold and silver for your own holding. So give them a call, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898, again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Get the information packet, give them a call, set up appointment, and see what they can do for you. You won't be disappointed. They've been with us for well over a year taking great care of BARDS Nation. We are really in quite a time right now. And quite frankly, it's a situation that I'm going to pull today from an article that was posted in Zero Hedge called Last Rights. The Death of American Liberty. It's based on a book by James Bovard. And so it starts out with a principle of tyranny comes to Main Street, which I think we can all agree. Take a listen to some of these quotes. Americans today have the freedom to be fleeced, groped, wiretapped, injected, censored, injected, ticketed, disarmed, beaten, vilified, detained, and may be shot by government agents. Politicians are hell-bent on protecting citizens against everything except Uncle Sam. Is America becoming a cage-keeper democracy where voters merely ratify the latest demolition of their rights and liberties? Sadly, that last comment is probably more true than anything because it's, a, it's working under the myth that we're the freest nation in the world. We're not. Right now, and it's something to consider that when that wall went up, one of the things that always crossed my mind is as they were putting up the wall, the question is, was that wall to keep them out or to keep us in? And let me say that again. Was that wall being put up on the southern border to keep us, to keep them out or to keep us in? Remember, Pompeo brought everybody back all over the world, so it would be quite a while before Americans travel freely again. There's a lot of suggestions here that they knew that this was gonna be an extreme lockdown and that they knew that part of this was gonna be forcing people to stay within their borders and suffer the consequences of the hand of their own government. And this was a global attack that happened because these governments are all the same. And ours, unfortunately, is the hub of evil. Let me continue with some of these quotes from this article. We live in the world in which everything has been criminalized. Warm the Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch There are now, listen to these numbers, there are more now more than 5,200 separate federal, federal criminal offenses, a 36% increase since the 1990s, along with tens of thousands of state and local crimes. More laws mean more violators who can be harshly punished on a command, resulting in the arrests of more than 10 million Americans each year. Thanks to the Supreme Court, police can lock up anyone accused of every of even a very minor criminal offense, such as an unbuckled seatbelt. That's not freedom, and that's not what our founding fathers saw. That is not the America that our founding fathers envisioned. And it goes on. The founding fathers saw property rights as the guardian of every other right. But today's politicians never lack a pretext for plundering private citizens. Despite being charged with no crime, half a million Americans have been robbed by government agents on the nation's sidewalks, highways, and airports in recent decades. Federal law enforcement officials have arbitrarily confiscated more property from Americans each year than all of the burglars steal nationwide. Let me read that again. Federal law enforcement agencies arbitrarily confiscate more property from Americans each year than all the burglars steal nationwide. The IRS pilfered more cash from private bank accounts because of alleged paperwork errors than the total looted by bank robbers nationwide. And when a bank robber loots the money, the bank gets reinsured, is, re- is assured and reassured and it gets its money back. Federal bureaucrats blocked landowners from farming or building on a hundred million acres of their own property because of puddles, ditches, or other suspected wet spots. Police have killed more than 25,000 citizens since the turn of the century, but the federal government does not even bother compiling a body count. SWAT teams use battering rams and flashbang grenades to attack 50,000 homes a year, routinely terrorizing people suspected of dastardly crimes like spraying graffiti or running poker games. Cops in many cities have been caught planning planting guns on hapless targets while corrupt police labs fabricated tens of thousands of bogus drug convictions. Police unions have more sway over government policy than anyone on the wrong end of the baton or taser. Despite perpetual promises of reform, more police use have brutalized private citizens still automatically receive legal immunity. Federal Judge Don Willett described the constitutional free zone courts created where individuals whose constitutional rights are violated at the hands of a federal officers are essentially remedy less. This is a tyranny. And this is where we are currently living. And this is the world that we say, America. That's like America with a K, because that's the communist America. And we know the gun owners have won the latest targets of terror because they're the fastest growing criminal class, thanks to the BATF, thanks to Congress thanks to state legislatures. And let's be clear, every one of these state fools has bodyguards with, that have license to kill. Every one of these state fools are taking money or graft from somebody, or, and I should say and or, getting sexual favors from children or other things so that they can continue to have their sexual perversion satisfied while they pass laws against the people. The CCP money is flowing into this country radically. Oregon today, there was a big interview today on Lars Larson, where just in my county, in fact, there's a dirtbag in my county that has been working with his son, who has a shell company, who's been receiving money from the CCP to put windmills off our coast, even though the county said no. Now, I have my own feelings on what should happen to people like that. That's probably not appropriate to speak on air. But there has to be a level of accountability, and it's up to we, the people, to start doing it because these people are getting away with absolute murder right now. I mean, let's just consider the COVID pandemic and consider how every one of our politicians exploited that. They forbid activities, they forbid going to church, they forbid, forbid even buying garden seed. Think about that and don't forget those things either. They were doing everything they can to make sure that people would not have the ability to build sustenance and build independence. All of this during COVID con. Tens of thousands of drivers have wrecked in the United States, likely due to COVID shots. I mean, and this this gets increasingly stupid, right? And the people that made the money, the most people that made the money, obviously were Wall Street, using pharma, big pharma as a way to channel money and to line their pockets for the wealthy while people died. Tens I mean, this, this is just sick. It really is. From this article, tens of thousands of small businesses were bankrupted by shutdown orders while federal relief spurred a $600 billion worldwide frauds stampede. Most Americans suffered COVID infections despite government decrees that the Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito labeled previously unimaginable restrictions on individual liberty. Government officials endlessly invoked science and data, which is just a bunk religion, to sanctify their power. But many pandemic policies were simply political science 101, using deceit and demagoguery demagoguery, to domineer humanity. That was it. They just wanted control. These greedy people of power and control wanted more of it, and they wanted to break the back of Americans. Now, we're moving out of the COVID con space, and we're starting to move to a place of higher awareness in the nation. But these moments right now are worth reflecting on, because what we're dealing with here is a tyranny, a criminal class of people that deserve to be punished, every one of them. I've been saying this for a while, and there has to be a hard line of justice. I know that we walk in our faith, we walk in the place of forgiveness, but forgiveness does not take away accountability. So every federal agent that's standing down there on the border that's abiding abiding by orders that violate the Constitution of the United States, they need to do criminal time. Every one of them. That means they they break big rocks into small rocks. And they do it for five years. And they learn what it's like to build roadways out of gravel again with the hand labor that they'll provide. That's traditional chain gang. That'll straighten you up. These people are no different, as far as I'm concerned, as the cartel. The cartel, at least you know, is a criminal class. They're, they're pushing through the border what they would do. By nature, they are supposed to be doing this. By the very nature of a cartel, they are supposed to be pushing drugs and people. But our border agents have become complicit agents in the cartel's activity. And all for the reasons because the union said no or the union said don't do, do this or something else. And the thing is, people don't like these truths. They become uncomfortable. They don't want to hear about this. They want to hear about where's the big target. The big target is us. We the people that aren't having the spine to stand up to this stuff, and we keep going along with it and complying with it and agreeing with it. It's just like this, paying taxes. One of the most amazing things ever. Americans pay taxes every year, and then they complain. Then you see things like, I can't believe my taxpayer dollars are being used for this. Your taxpayer dollars were never intended to be used for most of the things they're being used for now but we accept it and due to a fear of being audited by the IRS or something else, people don't come together and make a stand, they just willfully comply. So when you're going to complain about taxes, if you're paying taxes, please don't because you're part of the problem. And until you get a spine to be able to stand up and not pay your taxes and start being bold like a patriot, you're just part of the, the cog in the wheel. Government doesn't deserve any of our money. None of it, not at this point. It needs to be choked off and it needs to be starved from the funds funds that it needs to ultimately encourage the acceleration of withering and dying off as it must do. So let's continue with some of these points they bring up. Government decrees are blighting more lives than ever before. Vague laws convert bureaucrats into czars Who dictate as they please more than a thousand occupations have been closed to anyone who fails to kowtow to absurd state licensing requirements from fortune tellers in Massachusetts to anyone rubbing feet in Arizona. In other words, foot masseur. Tens of thousands of drivers have been injured and hundreds killed thanks to a red light traffic ticket cameras notoriously uh, Camera's notorious for multiplying collisions. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission made it a federal crime to refuse to hire ex-convicts. The Americans with Disabilities Act have spurred half a million discrimination lawsuits, including the narcoleptics who fell asleep on the job and by a deaf guy outraged about missing captions on, a, on porn videos. Yeah, let me read that last one. Literally. The American the ADA, American Disabilities Acts, have spurred a half a million discrimination lawsuits. This one's a big one, including a deaf guy outraged about missing captions on porn videos. How far we have fallen as a nation. Of course, we know the thing about school children, they're being sacrificed to the altar of ball. And that's simply by process of incorporating social justice. It's the process of forcing them into the woke culture. It's the process that unions have more control over the schools than anybody else. And we're sitting complacently by. And it's disturbing, truly is disturbing. And the question we have to keep asking is why? And we're gonna get to that in a minute. Now we know the First Amendment is basically becoming a historic relic Here's one. Federal Judge Terry Doty recently condemned the Biden administration for potentially the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history. That verdict was ratified on September 2023 by a federal appeals court ruling uh, ruling slamming the White House and federal agencies for actions that resulted in suppressing millions of protected free speech postings by American citizens. Federal agencies uh, It goes on to say, have become the ministry of truth, according to the court rulings. Censorship converts citizens into captives. Federal censorship tainted the 2022 and 2020 elections, suppressing tens of millions of tweets. YouTube videos and Facebook posts from conservatives and Republicans. White House officials have ordered Facebook to delete numerous memes, including a parody of a future television ad, Did You Or or a, a loved one take the COVID vaccine, you may, you may be entitled. This is insane. And the, co- the cooperation between government and private, which is the private, you're gonna hear this, public-private partnership, is all about destroying the Constitution. Big tech has become one of the biggest cancers in our time. Every single one of those people in big tech Needs a short stint in jail. It'll help him out. I might mean, say jail. It's like public service. Like hard public service. Teach them truly that you don't change the world by an app. You change the world by doing. So I'm thinking like take every tech employee and mandate that they all have to work with the elderly and the orphans and the children at broken homes. And they have to spend a year doing that as part of their giving back to the, to the society which they have raped and pillaged willfully with their stupid ideas of how to make their apps more addictive, how to extrapolate more data, and how to make a company more profitable while suppressing its free speech and locking citizens into the control of a digital grid. See, we need accountability is the point. You can't have no accountability, and you can't escape the accountability. And this just gets down to a purpose in which we are here on earth. And these are hard pills for a lot of people to swallow because it's going to be like, I'm just doing a job. It's not that way anymore. We have shifted into a new reality. This is a new kingdom reality. And that new kingdom reality is demanding that we start living our lives as God intends, not just because we want to line our pocketbook, not just because it's the only job we can get, not just because we want to feel good about doing something that ultimately is worthless in the space space of kingdom. Developing apps has got to be one of the dumbest jobs in the world because it's And believe me, I've worked on app development. It's dumb. You're creating something and trying to figure out something that will be different and unique that people want to use so people will freely download it so that you can get the traffic and ultimately get investors so that you can put ads on it and make a pay app. Ultimately, you're trying to create something that people will want not knowing what they want. And you're just hoping that with a little bit of luck, you'll have a big win. And everything about the app design is designed specifically to make it more addictive to you. So the more engineering and brain power you can put behind those sorts of techniques, which is like studying what they do in Las Vegas yeah. in the slot machines, the more successful your app will be because you'll be able to build addictive principles within the app to ultimately lead people to a use case where they are, can't stop using it. That was the trick of Facebook, previously known as LifeLog. That was the trick with Twitter. That was the trick with all of the social media sites is how to create a situation where people can't let go. And it was all built on the technologies coming out of Las Vegas and the criminal class of the gambling area. Our country is in a crisis, and it's a bad one. And it's not getting better, and it's not going to be solved by politics. It's going to start being solved by a number of things that aren't politics. One of them is understanding how we wage the spiritual war against this evil. That's number one. Two is we have to let go of this idol worship of presidents and politicians. We have to understand that every one of these dirt bags that's in power right now is dirty. And likely, 90% or more are heavily compromised with some sort of blackmail-level material, which would usually result in something like child sex of some fashion. Question that. Go check General Flynn's interview out a few weeks ago. This is where we are as a nation. We're at a place in a nation, like I just read, where a deaf person sues because they don't have subtitles on porn, and we agree with that. And there's a whole group of people in the United States that raise their hand and say, yes, 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 we must, because it has to be equal access. So in other words, we have to have equal access to the sexual exploitation of women or children in order for us to be a fair and equal society. We are not a democracy, and they keep using this term. We are not. We are a representative republic, that was by design, so we wouldn't have the failures of a democracy and yet we've arrived there because the federal government controls all the vote. We willfully go along with it. We don't make a protest when things don't win because they've understood a very simple science around voting. And it's this, if you give a marginal split of less than three or 4%, people will not complain. And if you do a split on something that's like 3% or even 5%, people won't complain. They'll just go along with the fact that their candidate lost. So that means you have to do a substantial amount of rigging in the election system. And as you get enough rigging going along, all you have to do is rig it so it looks like it's only about a 3 to 5% spread. And everybody will say, mm, darn, my candidate lost. Now, if you do some big swing shift where, like, you go from zero where you're going to do, like, a 30 or 40% 30-point shift on election night, now people get suspicious, kind of like what happened to Trump. But the, the deal is that we are living in a rig system from top to bottom. It's there. And we go along with it. That's the part that's most amazing to me. We just go along with it. We go, okay, well, that's, that's too bad. Let's try doing it again. Let's try doing it again. And each time we get the same results. But we keep telling ourselves, let's, buy, let's do it again. This process, I believe, over the years, there's repetition of failure, has bred a level of insanity within the United States people because it's the acceptance of elections don't really work, but I'm gonna vote anyway. And we know they don't work. And it's time that we start putting our foot down. Now this begins with us knowing how to pray into this. And we have to be able to be understand that we have the power to pray from victory into this. It's like praying from heaven into this. And we have to put ourselves in the place of heaven of what would we want, what would God want for us? When we go to these places where we're expecting a savior, ah, Jesus is going to come fix it. It's something we all have to start facing. And I, I really challenge you, if you're one of those that believes this, and I want you to hear this, and I want you to ask yourself some hard questions. The first premise is the world is where it is because we, as the children of God, failed to do our job. That's that You have to accept that. It isn't that some evil class came in and took, laid over you. It's that we, over time, failed to do our job. We became divided. We started to look at our own personal needs. We became the self-centered culture that we are. Our families got gutted and rooted and we, went, we agreed with it. That's the worst part about it. We've gone along with it. We don't see marriage as this beautiful covenant with God. We see marriage as anymore as something we hope we can make it through to the next 10 years and then maybe we can make it to the end of our life. That was not a principle of my parents' generation. They understood that when they came together, they came together as one and they would endure that time for eternity, but not now. Now it's like, it's a drive-through deal. So our marriages are broken. Our approach to life is broken. Our whole approach in this culture is broken. And we keep going about this going, okay, well, we're going to vote something else in. People don't want to hear truth. All you have to do is tag the word conspiracy onto it. And suddenly people are running for cover going, oh, my goodness, I can't hear. Na, 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 And then if you can put a rainbow flag on top of it, then there's a good chunk of the public that's going to vote for it anyway just because they're guilty or sympathetic to something that they're guilty of in their heart. Because somehow their white guilt or their whatever else they have is weighed so heavily on them that they know that even though morally it's wrong to be in in sexual relationships with the same sex, they're gonna go along with it because they're broken and empty inside. And once you're broken and empty inside like that, welcome the demons of homosexuality. They sort in and they love to take up seat and they will set into you and they will destroy you. And they're a hard demon to get out. And that leads us to the bigger picture. What is this actual war that we're facing? This war that's being waged ultimately at the root, the one war that is being waged is at the root. The root is what? It is the family. All of this other stuff in between is, quite is, not, is inconsequential. Why? Because the family holds the anointment of heaven, and it is the key to regaining the birthrights to land. That's God's way. And they know this. They, meaning those in power. So they wage war against the family. They wage war against children. They break it to such a degree that the family will never be what it is. And in the spiritual side of this, we lose our connection and ability to go back and reclaim our birthrights. It can be done, but we get separated from it. And then we don't want to hear it because our churches have taught this very safe, very welcoming, very people-friendly doctrine it doesn't want to get in the trenches because people don't want to. People want to feel good and comfy. They want to be the, the lathering of saying, I accepted Christ. I'm going to heaven. That's all I have to worry about. And make sure I include my, my double latte when I go to church. It's at the coffee bar outside so I can sit in the pews and sip it all day and make myself feel good with a caffeine boost as my skinny jean pastor tells me some other part of the, the gospel that I'm going to get. And that's the only time I'm going to read the Bible is when I'm sitting in my pew. There you go. Gosh darn it, the the satanic cults are more dedicated to their God than we are to ours, and it's a sickening statement. These people get up early. They go through ritual things every single day. They're dedicated. They're focused, and then we go, God, that's unfair. They're coming at us. I swear, (laughs) I, I would get in so much trouble in heaven. I really would. I'd be like God's messenger. I'd be writing, going like, seriously, dude? Like, pull your head out. God's sitting here shaking his head, and I'm telling you, you need a kick in the butt. That'd probably be my note. And God would be like, son, yes, you need to repent. And I'd be like, all right, Lord, I promise. But I sure had to get that off my chest. That's literally where we are. And we're sitting here in his complacency as a world, as a country. I mean, if we could realize our documents, if you read them, they're anointed. And they came from the pulpit. Do you know that the Declaration of Independence was written by sermons that were given in 1700s? In the early 1700s, that's where the Declaration of Independence came. All rights come from our creator. That principle piece right there, and I love this, what they've done so well in this woke movement, how they've taken the word creator, like they've taken the word love, and they've taken those things and they've so deeply corrupted them. Now, if you say creator, they're like, oh, yeah, that would be a uh, Hindu, Hindi, or whatever God they're going to come up with. And It's like, no, it does not mean that at all or as Obama tried to tell us, that the Muslims were who founded America. I'm like, dude, like I don't know what continent you floated in on, but it sure wasn't ours. Go back to Kenya with your boyfriend, Michael. Seriously, like get a, get a, get a grift. But that's what they like to do because once they pluralize the meaning of words, which by the way, historically rooted, it goes back to Jacques Derrida from the 1960s who did the deconstructionist, deconstruction of language. And he's just a communist that's just figured out a way to screw people up even more by telling the words that didn't mean what they're supposed to mean. We go into the history of words and he tears them all apart and shows the sexist nature of words. And all of a sudden, everybody doesn't know what they're talking about anymore. It's literally that simple. It goes along with the war on family. Kinsey, by the way, if you didn't hear last night's Vicious of Men, do. We played the, the, what's called Kinsey's Pedophiles. We played the whole documentary last night on the show. Fantastic audio story. Take a listen share it. It is incredible. That whole show last night is at the core of the war against family. And I'm not one that's going to be waving the optimistic flag about family either, because I see how small our families have become. And they're becoming small by our design, by our choice, when God is trying to bless us with big families. And we are losing that war on growth and population because we're retracting back while they're flooding in the immigrants to replace us. So our war has to be waged from a spiritual place. We have to stop thinking that we're trying to find victory when we've been given victory. Victory was given to us on the cross. Jesus gave us that. Now we get to where we are. Now we're sitting here on earth going, okay, I don't know what to do, God. We raise up to God. God, what do we do? He's like, I gave you the authorities. It's like, I don't know what to do, God. He says, I gave you the authorities. And we end up in this ridiculous OODA loop and nothing gets done. Let's start with the first principle. Christ gave us authority over All evil dominion over all evil. He gave us authorities over snakes and scorpions. He also said we could do everything that he could do and greater works. Now, I said this before. I'm going to say it again. I hope it inflames some people because it makes me smile if it does. The Bible is a field manual. It is a field manual of war. Believe it or not, from the first page to the last page of the Bible, it's true. You either accept it's true in all or you don't bother. You don't get to selectively go through the Bible and say, well, I don't believe in deliverance. I don't think it's true. I don't believe in miracle healing because it's not in our time anymore. I don't believe in healing the sick and the broken because that's what pharmaceutical companies do, and that's what hospitals do. I don't believe in raising the dead because that's not something we can do because Christ did it. And I don't believe in greater works, even though Peter walked on water because Peter was, was an, an apostle, and we aren't. I don't believe that we can walk around a city and, and pray for seven days and seven times on the seventh day and collapse walls as God commands and lead an army into fight an ar- and fight a city and slay every man, woman, child, and donkey, because I don't believe in that anymore because it's Old Testament. This is the sort of nonsense that goes on. This is a field manual of war. And that field manual of war tells me a whole bunch of things about who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. It tells me that I, I am behind enemy lines, always have been since the fall. It tells me that God has never left me. In fact, what it tells me is in the details of that story is that when Adam and Eve violated that piece and Adam fumbled the ball big time, by the way, he failed to be a man, pestered on, blamed it on the woman. That was ridiculous. Nice going. He, God didn't turn his back on them. God clothed them. God took care of them. And then he put them out of the garden. God never stopped loving us, never, ever stopped loving us. And unfortunately, once that happened, the, the powers of would be of, of, the, of the dark and evil started to take over man's heart and separate them from the woman, which we were supposed to be together like one rib. And we begin to fight with one another. We begin to seek each other in different ways. We don't find the anointed relationships. We do. We date. We have sex. We try to figure out who's better in bed, and then we try to get married. That's literally what is where we are today. And we miss the anointing of what that most sacred covenant is, which is the anointing of God has somebody for us, and, and there is somebody there for us, and we find them, we, we court them, and then we finally marry them. Yes, speaking from failure, I can speak into truth. And I know somebody will say it to I me. Mean, they'll be like, you, have, you only speak from failure. You have no right to speak about what's right. I would disagree disagree with every person. And I would tell you, I probably have more experience in what's right than most people because I have parents who have been married for 62 years in a good marriage. And I had an amazing father and amazing mother. By the way, just to highlight this point, my dad was one exemplar in what dads should be. In all the years of my schooling, he never missed a single event I had in in high school. Never once. He would tell his clients the same thing all the time. My sons come first. Now, I challenge every father to meet that standard. So we are in a place right now where we have to start taking some deep reflections on what it's going to take to get this world back. And that means we've been given the authorities to take it back. This, this evil, is the biggest sigh up ever going is Satan has told us that he's more powerful than God. he is more powerful than our father. And I sit and I shake my head and I'm going, how did that happen? I'm always, this is how I see, this is literally how I see Satan. I see him like a skinny Bill Gates with big glasses, big bottle thick glasses, sitting in a corner laughing like the man behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz, but that he's got all these avatars ahead of him that makes him look like big fiery dragons and big in this. And this guy is like a skinny jean, spineless wimp that manages to control the information well enough that has managed to convince us that he's more powerful than God. And of course, to do that, you have to build big ugly pictures. You have to build Baphomet and you have to build Ball and you have to build the, the great Satan. You have to get all these evil horns and red and fire and and what's what is up and what is down. You know, all this garbage going on. And you gotta build this, you have to build gargoyles. And you have to do all these things to make people afraid. And then People say, oh my goodness, he's bad, he's evil, I'm afraid. In the meantime, God's like, hey folks, 365 times in the Bible, I'm telling you, fear not. I've got this, just stand with me. And we're like, oh yes, but Lord, Satan is taking everything away. Satan is forcing me to walk my child to the altar of ball and have his genitals cut off because the psychiatrist said that that's the only way my child will adapt and be happy. Help me, Lord. This is the nonsense in which we live, and we have to overcome it, and it is overcome by a remnant, a remnant that has the commitment, the belief, the strength to reach in and say, I am going to put myself in the space of kingdom, the third heaven, and I'm going to focus myself on bringing in those authorities and that glory into this world, the first heaven, and I am going to pray into this. And I am going to pour into this and make heaven come to earth. And I'm going to walk in this place with the anointments that are given to me. I'm going to pray into Jesus. I'm going to walk as Jesus walked. And I'm going to ask God to bless me with those things in the Holy Spirit so that I can walk mightily in this world and be that as he seeks me to be. I am a son of the Most High. My Father, my one Father, God, is greater than all the others. I have nothing to fear evil rears its ugly head, I should laugh at it because I know that what it's going to do to me is nothing by comparison to the power that stands through me and behind me. And when I walk in this world with that measure of authority and I command that authority, not because I'm arrogant, but because Jesus said I could command it. He said, by using my name, your prayers will be heard by the Father. Declare them in my name. I shall declare them, like I will declare healing, like I will declare all the things I need in this world to overcome evil. I will cast out demons in Jesus' name because this war is spiritual first, not physical first. And once we understand where the physical realm is and where the spiritual realm is and how we're supposed to be fighting first in the spiritual, we start to sever the ties and controls of the spiritual that are influencing the physical. And that is a hard headbender for a lot of people to get around, but it shouldn't be any problem for anybody that's read the Bible. should be none, but it tends to be. And once we get in that headset, and we start to understand how to wage war. F- four years ago, I started this podcast. My waging war was in the physical. And as I went along, I keep seeking, how do we wage this war truly to win? And the farther I go down that rabbit hole, the farther that I listen, the more that I listen to God, what do I keep hearing over and over and over? Go deeper into the word. And as we go deeper into the word, suddenly you're like, whoa, wait a minute. We're fighting the wrong end of this battle. Physical's second, spiritual's first. And as we start to wage war with spiritual, we're slaying the enemy. Now, you heard me say this last night. I'm going to say it again because this is like one of these headbending things that when we fight like kingdom fights, the world and the, the strategies change. Seven and a half million illegals are in this country right now. We're sitting here wringing our hands going, what are we going to do? They're going to outbirth us. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. We have no chance. They're going to rise up. They're going to take us over. We've been hit by COVID. All these things, all mental psyop games. That's seven and a half million people that I should be working overtime to bring to Jesus and introduce them to the rule, what the founding documents are of this nation. That means educate them on the declaration, declaration of Independence, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and get them deep into the word. And when you do that, You take seven and a half million people that the enemy's counting on to turn into a lecherous part of their new new world order and turn them against them and make them the most vicious force they've ever faced because these people go on fire for Jesus and they realize what gift they've been given by coming to this nation and they start to fight for what they are trying to achieve for their own families, which is what? Freedom, liberty, and the right and the pursuit of happiness. Our founding fathers knew that. And they knew it well. And when we pivot like that, and we go hard like that, and we do that as a people, we're now in the greatest place ever. It's called defiance. And we're defying tyranny, which is an act supported by God. We absolutely need to wage harder war, serious war. We need to be waging war from kingdom into this earth. I do not buy into this whole idea that we're supposed to sit around and wait somehow for Jesus to come strolling in and say, hey folks, guess what? I know you screwed everything up, but I'm here to fix it and everything's going to be good. We are accountable for every word, thought, breath that we do in heaven, every action. So if you're one of those that's saying, please, Jesus, come and take me away. Please, Jesus, come and fix this. Ask yourself what you have done to protect the kingdom, expand and subdue the enemy. And if you can't answer like a lot of things, like a big resume worth on each of those, I would suggest you get busy because that's where the accountability is going to come at the end. And if you're anxious to have Jesus come sweep you away, okay, all I know is there's going to be a refining fire at the end of this. And whatever is dross is going to be removed. And what is silver remains is all that you're going to have in heaven forever, in eternity. So it's time to get busy. And this is how we wage war. We wage war with the authorities given to us in this time. And once we do that and we have waged a solid war, we begin to hear more clearly from God as we take out these strongholds we destroy the fortresses, we're listening to him. And that may lead to a physical aspect of the war, but it will be led by God's hand and God will position us where we need to be. As we respond to God, if we're praying to God every day and to say, God, what do you need me to do? I guarantee you, if you're asking God, he's gonna give you one, two or three things every day to do. And just do them. And winning the war is literally that simple. It doesn't have to be a massive coordinated strategy and army like Moses had. That'd be great, pretty cool. In fact, it'd be pretty awesome, in fact, to see that many people up there and have Moses's hands up in the air all day, watching everything go on, watching all the enemy being slain. That'd be cool. So it'd be cool to see Joshua, like we'll, we'll replace Jericho with Washington DC. That'd be pretty awesome like really awesome, that'd be worthy of a film, live streaming on on YouTube, and then all the clips and outtakes you could get for TikTok would be amazing. But, but all we have to do in a simple way every day is pray to the Lord and say, Father God, give me the taskings for my day and listen to what he wants you to do. And each day as we do those taskings, we begin to wage war. And we are waging war because we are in Kingdom's Army. And as we wage war into this and we wage war seriously, you take three things each person does and you multiply that by, oh, let's say like 100 million people. That's 300 million tasks each day that are getting accomplished for God against 330 million total population. So a third of the population is obedient to God and simply going along and saying, what are my three things each day? That's 300 million actions each day against the enemy. And I will tell you there's no enemy that can withstand this sort of onslaught, none whatsoever. And it is the small things. It's giving somebody a hug. It's talking about Jesus to somebody else. It's bringing somebody to Christ. It's baptizing somebody. It's doing a good thing like helping somebody out of their car when they can't walk very well. It's reaching somebody in the homeless that's never heard of Christ and teaching them and bringing them to Christ. It's healing somebody. It's praying on them and seeing the miracles of a living God manifest as they are healed. It's raising the dead. It's literally spiritually and physically raising the dead. These are beyond our normal constructs because our minds have been so squeezed and narrowed down that we're told that none of this is possible. It doesn't happen anymore. That's garbage. And having now literally prayed for a man that was on his last breaths after taking a bottle of 151 and drugs in, the, in Church of Glad Tidings and praying for him, sobbing in tears and holding him, and having him come back not only to life but sober, that's witnessing the miracle of God right before your very eyes. And many more stories to follow. So it should be one of those most exhilarating points in our life. Most exhilarating moments in your life where every day you're getting up and you're walking with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're walking in this power of anointment where you're simply saying, God lead me, light the fire of Holy Spirit within me, let's go wage war. And waging war becomes fun because waging war is about saving souls. Waging war is about freeing people from the demonic. Waging war becomes healing the sick and healing the broken. Waging war is just talking about speaking the word and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and watching people's lives transform. Waging war becomes doing the greater works, which I don't even know what those are half the time, but I know that they're there. And as we wage this war and we're in there fighting, we're winning every day and we feel those wins and we get exhilarated by those wins. And every single day we develop a higher level and order of love for one another. It's agape. And we get to the agape level of love that is so profound and so incredible that it has nothing to do with the flesh. It's this intrinsic love of binding in the body of Christ that unites us in such an amazing way that we stand together as one, shoulder to shoulder, facing this enemy. God's with us. We don't buckle. We fight and we destroy this enemy. And it's a ruthless fight because the enemy is cast out ultimately to the feet of Jesus to ultimately be cast to the lake of fire. And in the process, we're saving children. We're saving families. We're raising them up. And we're doing it all through the spiritual tools of warfare we've been given. And as we lean into the Holy Spirit and we listen to the wisdom given, we learn more about how to fight. We learn the methods. All we have to do is hear. We don't have to read books on it. If you have time, do. I'm not telling you don't read books, but all the knowledge we need is there. I want to close with this comment because I think it's worthy of remembering this. It's a good lesson I got from a four year old. And it was this. He was, he's singing. He's anointed. This is Gabriel. Have you heard a door slam? The children are on full rampage right now, so it's all good. It's just the evening time. It's like feeding hour or something. So we are in a place where he's singing and he's really anointed. He's doing riffs, he's doing raps. He's, he's a four year old, right? And I said, So what about learning music? And he says, I don't need to learn music. Uncle Scott, Holy Spirit's teaching me everything I need to learn. And that is the wisdom of God right there, right there before us. So we need to lean in. We need to ask Holy Spirit for what we need. We need to trust in God to guide us and lead us. And when we get there, we find the greatest anointing of all. We find that we have the wisdom to fight and win because God's not going to let us lose. So all this stuff that goes on in our country, the the desolation of what was America, which is the painting picture of failure and and demise and which we're all going to have to live in the pit of hell because our politicians raped and pillaged the nation and we can't do anything, that's a defeatist loser's attitude that has been indoctrinated into too many people's minds to make them believe that there's no way out of this other than lock and load and take the guns. And I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Because when we bring in truth and we start waging war with truth and we start waging war with prayer, we start putting that into the public space and we start healing one another and lifting each other up, you're watching a change and a shift in the tide so magnificent that the enemy can't do anything but scream. And the more that they scream, the more that they reveal themselves, the more that they lose control of what they have. And little by little, they get narrowed down and isolated. Then at some point, probably God will say, okay, boys, send in the A-team. And the A-team will be like Joshua's army and they'll take care of it. But until then, we have a spiritual war to fight and win, and we have to do it every single day. So the last rites of a nation. It was a nation that started on good footing, but now the nation is on a satanic footing. I will gladly give this nation its last rights. I will bury it, because out of the resurrection of that will come a nation that's anointed, that will be the nation that our founding fathers intended. It'll be a nation blessed by our Father, a nation where this people work at the feet of our father and who put government under ours. That is the nation I want to see. So I'll let this nation die. I'll help it knowing that what we're going to bring up is the kingdom authority to ring, bring this nation up into the glory of heavens that right here before us. And it's within our reach. We just have to believe and fight like the warriors of Christ that we are. Let's pray. Father God, I wanna thank you for this time and this place in which we are and this time you have us here. This is an amazing time, a time where as we reach into the authorities given to us, we begin to realize the power and mightiness of kingdom that's in our very hands. So Father, tonight my prayer is to let everybody feel that, to touch that in their hearts. To not doubt with what they face, but rather to be inspired by the challenges they would look ahead because we know that you are with us in this fight to bang shields and rattle swords and to know that what we're going to step into is victory and we will march that victory and we will slay this enemy and we will cast this enemy out and we will free those that are enslaved and we will heal the sick and the broken and we will cast out those demons and we will raise the dead and we will do greater works father and we will most of all spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and in so doing father this mighty hour we shall shake the world with the fundamental tools of war that you've given us. The authorities given to us by Jesus himself. Guide us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Oh yeah. Good times. They are good times. They're wonderful times. And times to stay focused and to truly wage a war like no other. Because we're expected to win. It's already been won. It's already been written. We just need to act it out. But it takes our authorities to do so. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward.